few announcements to share with you this morning. Uh, a reminder that we have the, uh, the March, April, May daily breads out there to anybody that would like to uh, use one. And, and we do have the large print ones out there. And if you know someone that could use one, feel free to take one for them. And, and uh, so we have both of them, and they're the right ones this time. So it's uh, good. And we have also been invited to uh, join uh, First Baptist Church up on Scenic Drive uh, in April, April 29th and 30th. They have a what's called Sound Doctrine Conference. And uh, the, the focus or the subject matter this time is the church the pillar and buttress of truth. And uh, so we're invited to attend that with them. We have some little flyers out on the uh, table out there if you would like to, to use them and uh, uh, get the information as to what's going on. And it's uh, something that is really nice that they've invited us to participate. So if you would like to join them, feel free to, to pick up one of the flyers. Um, in our prayer needs this morning, uh, many of you have asked how Karen uh, Johnson is doing. Uh, she's back in town. Uh, she is on oxygen still, but and it seems uh, Ralph told me it seems to be helping with her energy uh, a little bit. But uh, uh, just to keep her in prayer, there's still fluid around the lungs, and uh, uh, they're considering a, a new track of chemo- chemotherapy. If I'm not misunderstanding what he said, and so. Uh, Keep all of that in prayer. Keep Phil in prayer. Uh, he'd like to thank you for remembering Arlene and having that uh, little celebration last Sunday. And uh, he said also thank you for the cake. And uh, so he really appreciated that. Uh, I think that's all in the way of announcements unless somebody else has something to, to share. And there are prayer needs that we need to put on well, let's pray together. Father, we come to you. We bring Karen to you and ask, Lord, that you would touch her body, bring strength, bring healing, bring a clearing of the, of the lungs, and, and uh, just bring strength and health to her. We confidently leave her in your hands. We don't hesitate to pray for a miraculous healing, Lord. Give the doctors wisdom as they... Uh, make uh, plans on future treatment and that uh, if it's your will that she go through treatment to get well, then uh, Lord, that you would give them the, just the right path to follow, Lord. And uh, again, we thank you for Phil and Arlene and the witness that they've been to our congregation for so many years. We ask that you would bless Phil, be with him, strengthen him, comfort him. And uh, we just uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, for them in our lives. And Father, as we open Your Word this morning, we ask that You would open our hearts and our minds to receive from You. Through Your Holy Spirit, Lord, would You guide us and direct us, cause our uh, time in Your Word to be strengthening to our walk and also strengthening to our testimony uh, for You, Lord. In Jesus' name. We're continuing in the book of 1 Peter, and uh, we're in chapter 3. We'll be starting with verse 8 this morning. And 
I think what I'd like to do is just to, to read verse 8 through 17 and then uh, go ahead and start uh, sharing the, the message. Verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you have, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you? If you are zealous for what is good, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with a gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Peter starts off with this word, finally. You know, and and what he's doing is he's saying, you know, I'm coming to a conclusion for everything that I have shared with you up to this point. And so that has to do with the idea of submission and, and, and relationships and the things that we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And so now we're at this point where he says, finally, let me kind of sum this up. Uh, and what we're looking at and what he starts to talk about is our Christian character in a hostile world. And, and so, again, remember that idea that we're exiles and aliens in this world. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are members of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, he told us in Peter. And so, with all of those things in mind, here's how your character, here's how your witness should be. And so, he says, finally... Summing it all up, putting this all together, because of all I've said, do this in response to what I've said. And then he says, all of you, have unity of mind. Okay, the idea of unity of mind is to be in harmony. In fact, some scriptures say, be in harmony. Uh, have unity of mind is then the, the description of that. Be of one mind. Be of like mind. Have these things in common. And then he goes through this list of things that, that should be in common to the church. Be sympathetic. Have brotherly love. Be compassionate. Have humility. Repay insults and evil with blessings. Have these things in common, he's saying. 
God has called us to this. And, in, and with it, there's a blessing to be inherited. The idea of sympathetic. I don't know what you think of you know, having sympathy, uh, it, but the idea is, is to uh, put yourself in their shoes. What's the old saying? Walk a mile in, in somebody else's shoes in order to understand what they go through and have in their lives. This is the idea of being sympathetic here. Share their joys. Share their sorrows. You know, some people have this uh, picture that uh, we're saved and, uh, you know, using a a phrase that I've copied from someone else, uh, hunky-dory on the way to glory. And and so we we have this, this picture of, of, you know, these smiles on our face constantly. But the Scripture talks to the church about sharing our sorrows and our griefs together as well. And in the context of our grief, uh, we, you know, grief is, a, is a, a reflection of your love for someone. When you grieve with them, when you sorrow with them, when they hurt, you hurt. That's because we love them and we care for them. And so that's what, what He wants. He wants to see us as a sympathetic people towards one another. He wants to see, Peter says, God wants to see in us this idea of brotherly love. And this is not the agape love that, that comes from, through God, that unconditional love. Brotherly love is, is the idea of, of familiar love, family love, how we... We day-to-day interact with each other with care for the other person. And we're, we're sharing our lives together. We're caring for each other. Uh, we go out of the way to, to, to bless each other. Uh, it's a day-to-day lifestyle that we're to have. And so we're to have sympathy. We're to have brotherly love. And then, and, and by the way, the word brotherly love here is the word Philadelphia. You, you, you hear the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. That's where it comes from. And that's the phrase that's here. Compassion. Compassion is, you know, somebody say, well, isn't that kind of like having sympathy? Compassion is, is a desire to meet the needs of another person who needs help, who's down. To have compassion, to meet the needs of others, even ahead of your own, which means sacrificially. Uh, 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 sacrificial love for each other within the body of Christ. But it goes beyond that. You see someone that is, is down and out and, and needs a, a helping hand. The, the idea is to offer it. And, and to come alongside, even if it takes out of your time even if it takes out of your uh, resources. You help each other. You have compassion for each other. He also says we're to have humility. So the idea of this is that we're to do all of this, I guess you might say, somewhat privately. In other words, we're not to make a big deal out of it and turn around and say, Oh, uh, you know, let me share my testimony today. I gave this, da, 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 and helped this, 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 and this, you know, whatever. That's not humility. Okay? Uh, I, I recall a person that, that was, there was a bunch of us together from a, a study group, and uh, 
we, uh, he, was, he was telling us about how he had done this, this, and this, and then God blessed him with this, this, and this. You know, that's, Those are things between you and the Lord. Those, those, those are private. The, the humility just is, is the idea of, of uh, putting others ahead of yourself. Uh, taking the, I think you've heard me use this phrase before, taking the I'm third position. God is first, the other person is second, I'm third. I don't need the attention. God, God's blessing is sufficient. Uh, it's something, I, I, another way of putting it maybe is, is something, we do, we do this service to one another quietly. Uh, not to draw attention to yourself. So these are, are, are certain things that... that uh, Peter's looking at sympathy, uh, sympathetic, brotherly love, compassion, humility for one another, uh, with one another. And then he says, do not return evil for evil or insult for insult. Uh, evil is, uh, is the idea of, of, of to oppress somebody or to inflict harm. To embitter somebody, uh, to be, to 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 put them to a point where that you you bring anger out, uh, and it can you know to express disapproval, put down, speak unkindly of. Uh, I mean the list just goes on, and, and you can start putting things in there that you could think of that would be in the context of evil, uh, any kind of, of of talk that's deceitful or slanderous is evil, and so. Someone has said something about you that is evil. It's untrue. Don't repay evil for evil. The idea of insult, of reviling, uh, of reproach, express disapproval, put down, again, speak unkindly of, uh, is, is this idea of insult. Uh, somebody's insulted you or your character, maybe to someone else and, and it's come around the grapevine back to you. And the, the easy thing to say was, well, what do you expect from a person? No. You know, uh, and, and turn around and, and push the insult back the other way. Peter's saying here, this is not the Christian character. We don't give evil for evil. We don't give insult for insult. Instead, we do the contrary thing. We do the opposite thing. We bless them. So if someone says something evil about you, your response is to is to, to bless them. Now maybe that you know, you you're somebody's talking to you and they say they repeat it to you. Maybe you don't say anything there, but to bless them first off is to pray for them. But then that's no surprise, is it? Didn't Jesus say something about praying for your enemies? Okay, so you know what we're doing is 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 showing this character, a Christ likeness. We pray for those who persecute us. We ask God to to forgive them. We ask grace on them. We pray if if we're not sure of their salvation, we pray for their salvation. We pray for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. 
praise, give you know, speak praise, speak a blessing, speak well of them. Peter says here, this is what you're called for. Another way of saying that is God has arranged this. We talked about that last night and or, or uh, Friday night in our men's dinner. The idea of God has predestined, if you will, prearranged certain things. Uh, I, I've had in, uh, situations in my life where I come across someone or something, and and you know that God has orchestrated this to bring the uh, bring us together, or to put me in a particular place at a particular time. I'm sure most of you have experienced something to that extent where the situation has come up to put you in a place where you need to show Christian character to be a testimony and a witness. Okay, God has, has brings these things together to bring our Christian character out as a witness, as a testimony. We don't act like the unsaved. We don't act like the world. We act like Christ. And that's the idea of a Christ-like behavior in a hostile world, in a fallen world. God has allowed this. Verses 10, 11, and 12 are a quote from Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16. Now, people who, you know, you want a good life, you, you want to have good days, uh, then turn away from evil and do good. And you could you could say in that thought, you know, uh, this idea of good life and, and, and good days, this idea of turning away from evil is don't speak evil, don't de- you know, don't be deceitful, don't you, you know, don't slander people. Uh, instead, seek peace, pursue peace. And I'm thinking, seek peace, and it reminded me of, of, of chapter 12 of Romans, verse 18. As much as it's up to you, be at peace. It's not always up to you. But as much as it is up to you, be at peace. He says in verse 12, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their praise, or to their prayer. And and to their praise, for that matter, too. Uh, The idea is fellowship with the Lord. We have that blessing. We have fellowship with the Lord. I, I don't even know if you can assign a value to that of what an amazing thing it is to have a personal, and I'm careful when I use that, but because we, we, we're collectively the church and together in this, but to know that personally I have the opportunity to come to the Lord and ask for His mercy and His grace, and He says, I am there to give it to you. That I have fellowship with Him. I can come to know Him. That He's given me His Word so that I can know His character and who He is and grow in my understanding of who He is. 
I think of the, uh, at where I was in, in my initial walk as a Christian when I first became a Christian and where I am now and what I know. And, and sometimes it amazes me of how much I know that I didn't know then. But the other side of it is, is I'm not surprised because that's what he, he's drawing me into. And I want you to understand, he's the one drawing me. In my flesh, I wouldn't pursue him. But because of His Holy Spirit in me, He has created a desire in us as the body of Christ, as the church, as His, his children, to want to know Him, to seek Him out, and to do so in how He has revealed Himself, His Word. We take the position in our church here that the, that the Word is God-breathed. God has put it together. He has revealed it to those who have written it down so that we could have it today. And so we come and, and, and we look at this and, and we, 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 the idea to seek peace and to pursue peace isn't only to be at peace as much as it's up to you with the people around you, but it's to be what? At peace with God through His grace, through His mercy. We are at peace because of the blood of Christ. Christ died on the cross shed His blood, paid for our sins so that we could be at peace. Before that, it says we were enemies. We were not His people. Now we are His people. And we're His children. We are at peace with God. God looks away from our sins. He says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What an amazing thing. So we seek peace. We pursue peace. The Lord looks upon us and He hears our prayers. Now it is interesting. It says, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That doesn't mean that God does not care for those people. That God, you know, in fact, it says very distinctly in Scripture that God weeps over the, the, the one who dies in his sins without salvation. But what this is, is saying is, is that there is a distinction between God's people and those who are unsaved. And God hears us. He comes to us. He draws close to us. And, and it's always been Him initiating it. I think of that song, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. You know, it's, uh, it's God put it first. He, he comes to us. In verse 13 and 14, again reading it, it says, verse 13, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? In other words, if you're zealous for the Lord... And this word zealous is, is broad. It it's also includes the idea of jealous for the Lord. You're jealous of His name. You, 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 you love Him. You, you want to honor Him. You want to glorify Him. That's the, this idea of being zealous for the Lord. And, and so it's, it, the, the, the statement is, is, you know, there is no harm. Uh, uh, there, there is nothing to harm you. And you can think of... of um, Romans, the end of Romans uh, chapter 8, where it says, nothing can separate you from the love of God and, and all that He has for you. Nothing can separate you from that. It's in that same vein, I believe, that, that what, what Peter is saying here. 
uh, is is that you know when you're zealous for what is good, nothing can harm you. But and you might say, well, what if? But does that mean if something harms me physically, that God and I are uh, at odds with each other? There's some people that in, in in some churches that actually teach that. But that's not what he's saying here. In fact, he says in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, in other words, for what is right, for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. In other words, we are drawn into God. He is with us as it is going well and when it is going bad. Should we be surprised that 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 Bad things happen to good people? No. We live in a fallen world. We're still encapsulated. Children of God, eternal life, all that is with that, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we're still encapsulated in this fallen flesh. And I know something about it in the sense of, 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 of the various things that I've gone through to try to keep it going for a little bit longer and a little bit longer, and and uh, it's eventually it wears out. But even when it wears out, and we die, and by the way, don't let anybody tell you, for a Christian, death is a is like a friend. We'll go on into heaven. Death is the enemy. Always has been, always will be. It is the result of sin. But Christ has turned around the consequences of death so that we don't fear it. We can say to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I win. The worst thing that Satan can do is to take away my life, and I, I win. This tent wears out. And what is mortal, my body here, is swallowed up by life. Paul tells us that in Second Corinthians. And so we have this, this confidence that, you know, we are with God. He is with us. Whether it's good happening or, or, or evil happening to us. Whether we're being insulted, whether it doesn't matter. What we are to do is to show Christ in all of those circumstances. And there's a reason for that. Because we forget what, sometimes what our purpose is. Why has God left us, His children, in a fallen world? When, when we accept Christ, why doesn't He just go... <laughs> it's because He has left us here to be a testimony for Him. So that others will know Him. He's planned to use us to be His testimony, His witness to other people. And, and so it, it says very clearly, verse 15, uh, In your hearts honor Christ, Lift him up, glorify him. The Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Why are you like you are? I don't understand how you can uh, experience this or experience this and, and, and still have hope. What was that song sang by Peggy Lee years ago? Is that all there is? Some of you older people in here would know that song. And and, and you know the idea is that, you know 
the end of the song is really rather morbid. Well, why don't you just do yourself in, you know, type of thing. Oh, no, I'm not going to give in that way. But, but the idea is, is, this is it. No! We know more than that. We know there is more. We are going to join all our loved ones in Christ. We're going to live eternally. We have eternal life. And so, we have this hope that is within us. And the hope is, is the idea of, of eternal life and Christ coming again. The second coming of Christ. This hope that is in us. And he says as we, as we share this testimony and, 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 and share it with people, do it with gentleness. I like that idea of doing it with gentleness. Uh, doing it with reverence. Uh, the idea of gentleness, doing it with kindness. Uh, the idea of, of respect is with reverence, with uh, polite, caring for the other person. There are points in times, and this is what we, in our prayer life we should be praying for, is God open our eyes to when we need to be ready to share our testimony. I believe God leads us into situations constantly, sometimes to just be a walking testimony. Other times, to be a verbal testimony. And to actually have the opportunity to share what God has done. And I'm going to take a side note and say, your testimony should not be, oh, I was saved. Yes, that's part of it. That's just the beginning. Your testimony should be, I was saved and God has done. And and your testimony should be something that's growing. Check your life out. See what you, how you know that God has blessed you, seen you through, and carried you. I mean, like the footprints in the sand, you know, that that poster, or all this one set of footprints, and you're saying, "Lord, where was you? Where were you? I was carrying you." Be ready. Be prepared to make a defense. You know, I, your testimony. Christ came to me. I, 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 I know it's easy. You know, I accepted the Lord when. And 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 I understand the the, the 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 just putting it in the vernacular. That may be the way we put it. But it's really the Lord accepted me when He opened my eyes and my ears to who He is. It's not something I did. He did it. He came to me. He opened my eyes. He opened my ears. He entered in. He gave me His Holy Spirit to teach and to guide. And to do this with gentleness and, and, and reverence to the person that you're speaking to as well as to, to reverence for God. You know, and, and so you might not... you know. I've heard some people with all sincerity, but, you know, well, the, the, the guy upstairs came, to, you know, I, I, I've been going to church all my life, the guy upstairs got a hold of my heart. No, he's not the guy upstairs. Reverence forbids me from just calling him the guy upstairs. The holy God of all creation. I mean, he's not the guy upstairs. Let's 
We're told that we need to have a good conscience, a clear, a clean conscience. And, and this is with reference to our character, with our, our behavior. And, and, and the reason for having this good conscience in, the, in this character, well, look at, at, at verse 16. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In other words, the worst thing they can bring against you is that he's a Christian. In some places, that's enough to, to go, be, put you in jail. Uh, Impact Brass uh, from Ozark Bible College was used to tour. We used to have them up here. And, 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 and uh, one of their songs was Evidence. Uh, enough evid- is there enough evidence that, to demand a verdict that you're guilty? And that was actually written about somebody in a foreign country uh, where, to, where they were going door-to-door and arresting Christians. And the idea was when they bring you before the judge, so to speak, is, is there enough people around to say, well, yeah, we, he shared Jesus with us a whole bunch of times, whatever. Uh, so uh, that idea of, of, of when you're slandered, it, it actually brings shame to them. Now, somebody might say, well, it doesn't bring shame to them in, the, in that culture. Well, that might be true, but it brings shame before them when the judgment day comes. And so, uh, you know, we're to, to have this behavior, this character references that he has given here. They are to be a part of our day-to-day life. How we speak, how we talk, how we, we act, what we say about other people, to other people. And then that final verse in that paragraph, verse 17. It is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So basically, he's just saying, we're not, you know, one more statement of saying, it's better to be in, in, in seeking God and His glory and and. and than to be seeking the things of the world. We are not of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We are children, part of the kingdom of God. And I wanted to... to uh, there's a, a scripture in Romans chapter 12, 9 through 21 that you could, you could uh, read as a supplement to this at some point uh, today. But... Uh, the idea of, 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 of who we are. You are a chosen race. This is verse 9 of, of chapter 2 of First Peter. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for His own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies. Again, give this testimony. Of Him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation, on the day of judgment. Would you think that this is a major theme for Peter in this letter as he repeats it over and over and over again? He wants us to get this message. 
And so I, I put it to you today. This is a growing process. There isn't one of us that have arrived. There isn't one of us that can say, well, I've, I've done all I can. I'm here. I don't need to, to worry about it anymore. Is your salvation secured? Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is our growing in Christ. Our, our, our growing testimony that is always showing itself in such a way that, that people can look and say, this person is serious about their faith. They believe what they're saying. As we approach communion this morning, that, that reality that we are brought to His table, it says at one point. Uh, I, I believe the ultimate picture of that is the, the marriage feast. But that's what we are celebrating here is the coming of the marriage feast. Because that's what Jesus said. He wouldn't share the bread and the wine again until we were gathered together. And so we are anticipating that every time we share communion. As we break the bread together, as we drink the cup together. And so uh, we're going to have uh, the worship team come back up. <laughs> the worship person come back up. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, sing our song and prepare our hearts for communion and uh, use this as an opportunity for self-examination in the words of the song as well as a, a time of, of, of just introspect. And uh, We have the communion up here and we have uh, two, two ways to uh, share it. We have the cup, two cups, one with the bread and one with the juice. Uh, you can choose it that way or we still have the packets up here if you prefer that. And uh, just come up and get it when you're ready as we're singing the song.
in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it. And He said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Paul goes on. In the same way also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Yes. Father, again we thank you for the opportunity to gather together to worship you, to share in this special meal together, sharing the bread, sharing the cup as a reminder of who You are, what You have done. You emptied Yourself and became flesh. You dwelt among us. You revealed us to us the, the Father. And the purpose was to bring us to salvation. Thank You for the cross. And thank You for the resurrection. That is the proof that you have the power to offer all that you say. And so we come to you and we ask that your Holy Spirit would work in us. Where we walk, where we go. That you would remind us frequently through the day of your presence and your love for us. And Lord, open our hearts and our minds to those around us. Who might need to hear the testimony being prepared, listening with open ears for those who are hungry to hear your, your, your love and your, your mercy and your grace. We worship you and we praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close, please? the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy
of the day.